Greetings in the precious name of the Lord Jesus. Appreciated the things that we've heard so far today. <clears throat> and interestingly enough, we are, uh, I am on the same vein of thought. My text today is James chapter 1 verses 12 to verse 27. So we're going to cover some of the ground that was covered already. Maybe before I actually start with the message, I'll uh, make a comment on the Sermon on the Mount there. I uh, as I share today, I think I'll uh, basically come with the same kind of emphasis that uh, Josh had in his uh, presentation and end up a lot in the same uh, focus. Um, but we have those verses there in uh, Matthew 5, 17, 18, and 19, where it talks about, think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets, I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle, showing no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. Goes on, talks about whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoso shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Uh, goes on, makes the comments about the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. Those verses can be a little difficult sometimes to understand exactly. How do they fit in the New Testament context when we have now left the law behind? I'd like to uh, just uh, make a comment about that. But first, I want to read a verse from Matthew 22. Actually, a couple of verses. In Matthew 22, verse 35, Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. That um, those verses give us um, give us some answers to some questions that can come out of uh, Matthew five. There, um, the uh, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. In other words, uh, everything that was written was written based on one of those two uh, in in the uh, Law and the Prophets. And 
can we say, uh, yeah, I, 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 we can, uh, and the same is true in the New Testament. Uh, these two commandments uh, can, are, are the driving theme of any commandment that is given in the New Testament as well um, on these two. So the uh, the actual uh, so Romans eight Romans eight next I have a sermon before this sermon Romans 8, 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And then, uh, well, let me just read the next couple of verses. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and that is uh, that particular law, the law could not do, is talking about the Old Testament law. But it could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So the uh, the objective is still the same in the New Testament is to. Uh, to to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor. Those that, that objective is still exactly the same as it was in the Old Testament. The approach has changed, and that's what we see here in Romans. Um, what the law could not do. The law gave us an understanding of how we should live, but it did nothing to put gas in our tank. It did nothing to put strength behind. Put strength into our life. In the New Testament, we have the Holy Spirit, which totally changes the picture, or at least it should. Doesn't mean that we're perfect, but it does mean that we have gas for our tank. We have strength. We have energy to come with, uh, uh, to be a part of us and to help us in walking out uh, those uh, the reality of those two. Commandments. <clears throat> so, um, if we, so again, we recognize that everything that is taught uh, hangs on these two commandments, and uh, if we if we teach that uh, these things are not, uh, even if we come down the line a bit, you know, and we we talk about, so we have the two commandments, we come down the line a bit and talk about some of the things that work themselves out, and we start to undermine um, a truth, even if it's, you know, down here, uh, ten steps down from the top uh, commandment, we are, we are like uh, Jesus says there, uh, teaching men uh, to do so. We are teaching, if we teach men, To break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so uh, he shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Um, so 
Yeah, we have to be. We have to. We're we're we we have an objective to live for in the New Testament, just like uh, they had in the old. The approach is just different. So, anyway, sorry, I got uh, sidetracked. Back to Book of James. So let's uh, let's stand together and read verses twelve to the end of the chapter, beginning in verse twelve. And let's read responsively. I'll read the first verse, and you all read the second verse, uh, the next verse, and so on, uh, back and forth. And uh, just pay a little attention to the uh, commas and so forth for your breaks. <clears throat> so, James 1, verse 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning for the word that has been uh, given to us, preserved for us to read today, to be instructed from it. Thank you for your servant James who penned these words out of the burden of his heart in his day. Today, Father, may we receive inspiration and and instruction uh, based on what you desire us to understand from these uh, these uh, truths. Father, I pray for uh, clarity of thought and to be able to express uh, the, the word in, in clarity, Lord. So bless each one present. Bless anyone who had a desire to be with us and were not able. Uh, bless and keep them as well. And Father, may this, uh, may you 
May you be glorified here in our midst, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. All right. So, our text today, as we have read James here, uh, I've titled the message, and it comes out of verse uh, 16, Do Not Err. Do Not Err. We'd like to, we're going to consider uh, different uh, things, different aspects of what is said in this, uh, in this chapter in light of that statement, do not err, my beloved brethren. <clears throat> what does it mean to err? The, uh, Webster's 1828 dictionary says in his, in the first definition that it gives, it says to wander from the right way. So do not err, do not wander from the right way, to, de- to deviate from the true course or purpose. Um, there's various similar statements that are given. Uh, some of the Greek, uh, def- from the Greek word definitions were to roam from safety, truth, or virtue. So to roam, to to get off course, to go astray, to wonder, to be out of the way. So uh, to wonder from the right way, to be out of the way, is uh, is a thought that comes through quite a bit. To err. So we have uh, we have the way. Perhaps I guess the way is it straight straight. Anyhow, we'll call that the way. And then we have, uh, perhaps we have a path that leads kind of off the way. And it's a different path. <clears throat> and, and, uh, and the, uh, when it's, uh, Leaving the true, the path of truth and the path of, uh, God's will and God's purpose, then it becomes error. It becomes a, a wrong way, a, uh, do not err, my beloved brethren. Do not get off course. Do not, uh, wander from the right way. Do not, uh, lose your way. The New Webster's Dictionary says to make a mistake or to violate an accepted standard of conduct, to err. So, is it possible to err as a believer in Christ filled with the Holy Spirit? Can we still err if we are a believer in Christ and we are filled with the Holy Spirit? I think we know the answer to that. Uh, and we'll uh, probably answer that some as we go. James seemed to recognize that possibility when he uh, makes this comment, do not err. Um, I think he recognized that being a, a believer and having a personal faith in Christ and having the Holy Spirit is not necessarily a sure uh, guarantee that we will always walk rightly. Uh, 
So it is possible to err. It's possible to err in what we believe. And if we err in what we believe, we will probably also err in what we practice because our practice comes out of our belief. Uh, We talk about our faith and practice. Our faith is what we believe and our practice is how we work that out. And the one does affect the other. The What we believe does affect our practice. <clears throat> James, James has been, I, I just did a little bit of, uh, just tried to get an idea at what point James wrote this book and, and they're indicating it was probably near the end of his life, latter part of his life, and that he probably had been uh, pastoring, shepherding uh, the believers, the church for a good 30 years possibly. And uh, and that's of interest to me because it's, it's of interest to know, you know, James wrote this because there was something going on in his day that he was addressing. He was speaking to something. And, uh, and yeah, you know, the, the early church, you know, sometimes, sometimes we tend to look back and feel like, you know, it sure would have been nice to have lived back there in the good old days, you know, back when the early church and when the church was pure and everything was, was new and great and fresh. But, you know, they really, really had their struggles. We have our struggles today. The scenes, the scene has changed uh, it, simply because of of uh, time and culture and 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 a lot of other things. But they had their struggles, and they didn't have uh, the early first part of the church didn't have this New Testament uh, book as we have it to study and read, and and uh, it was only being developed at that point. And uh, and there was a lot of pressure and on a lot of fronts where the truth was being uh, was being, uh, I guess I'll say perverted. It was being mixed with concepts that weren't true. And the the apostles had to uh, reckon with those things and try to correct those things and and. just look at the book of Jude, for example. If you remember the book of Jude, he was thinking to write about the common salvation, and but there was an issue, and he needed to take take, uh, take issue with an issue. <laughs> and so he changed the whole course of what he was writing because of current events that were going on in his day. And so that's what we have here with James. Uh, there were some things that were probably uh, being... Uh, believed and uh, faith and practice that were probably being uh, uh, of concern to James and he addresses uh, some of those things here. And so the first thing we'd like to think about a little bit uh, this morning is, and I'm just going to say it this way, do not err concerning the character of God. And we We'll pick that up in uh, the first uh, several verses here. Uh, he says in verse 13, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. And then he goes on to give some, apparently correct some misconcepts, misconceptions about God. 
Let no man say when I when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. And then he goes on and describes where the true source of temptation is. But he uh, he addresses apparently if uh, a, a problem that a, that there was a misconception about temptation and that perhaps it was even being taught that temptation in some measure comes from God. I, uh, I'm not exactly sure how they would have come to that, but uh, he is correcting their thinking anyhow. But uh, do not err concerning the character of God. You know, Peter says this way in First Peter fifteen and First Peter one fifteen and sixteen. But as He which hath called you is holy, that's God. So be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. So God is holy, and. Uh, his holiness is not affected by the sin of humanity. As I was thinking about this and thinking about, you know, James's words about God is holy and think, or, uh, thinking about the uh, Peter's words that God is holy and thinking about James's words that that uh, God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. Uh, and I got to thinking about God and his holiness and uh you know, we as human beings, we are often to some measure affected by uh, whether it's just momentarily in our thoughts or whatever. But if we see uh, some evil practice or some uh, evil thing or some, you know, it, it momentarily might affect us in some way or another. But God is not affected by those things, period. <laughs> End of the chapter. End of the story. He, he, his holiness has been from be, from everlasting to everlasting, and he observes all of humanity and all of the debauchery and all of the the, the state of humanity the world over, and it uh, it does not affect him at all. And uh, he his holiness is not not tainted, not threatened, not touched. He is just as holy as he's ever been, uh, as holy as holy can be. And if uh, if it did affect him, if he were affected by that, uh, there wouldn't be much that he could do for us, would there? If he were affected by, uh, if that were the situation. But since temptation to evil comes from a source that is lower than God, God can offer us lots of help. And uh, like I said, I don't know exactly what was going on in James's day, what they were believing about God and why they felt like temptation might have been coming from God. But James saw it necessary to correct their thinking. And uh, I don't know if we... I personally, I don't know that I can actually relate to that to that kind of thinking because I'm I've personally never thought of temptation coming from God. <laughs> I've always uh, viewed it as either uh, the devil or myself in my own uh, sinfulness and and whatever, whatever, you know. But. Uh, 
But then the, uh, we'll just jump down to verse, uh, verse 17. He then makes a contrast and says, Every good gift and every perfect gift comes, cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no shadow nor variableness of turning. And I know we're going to talk about that somewhere. <clears throat> so he makes that contrast um, of the of uh, how that evil does not come from God, but good does. Every good gift, every perfect gift comes from God. Uh, just a few verses of scripture that uh, relate to that. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father... May I say, who is not evil, give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. That's the one side. But the gift of God, every good gift, every perfect gift comes down from God. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we have that contrasted a bit, again, uh, thinking about, Evil in its source and good in its source. God is a source of good. And uh, uh, and Titus bears that out. There would be various scriptures that probably do. Titus chapter 3, verse 3 to 7. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. So that's the one side. That's the evil. That's the sin. But. After that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And there we again, we actually have it contrasted very, very well. We have the. Uh, we were sometimes foolish, disobedient. We This is where we once lived. But then God stepped into the picture. Then God sent forth his good blessing to us, his good gifts to us in his son, Jesus Christ. And uh, so do not err concerning the character of God. You know, everything that is good has its source in God and and everything that is evil comes from another source. Other than God. <clears throat> As it says there in, uh, in verse 17. Uh, Cometh down from the father of lights with whom is no variableness. In other words, uh, or a shadow of turning. Of course, variableness is. Uh, you might say a little bit unpredictable. You know, if something is variable speed, it sometimes it's going fast and sometimes it's going slow. Uh, we have motors and we run them on variable speed, depending on what you want. Well, God's not that way. He's not variable. He's not one time like this and another time like that. He's consistent. He is, and and like it says here, every uh, uh, no variables, neither shadow of turning, which basically. Uh, the idea there is simply that when you see a shadow, that shadow moves. As the sun moves, the shadow moves. And God isn't that way. 
You know, you, you, you find God, you find God's truth, you find God's heart, you find God's character, and that is exactly where it's always going to be. It's not going to be different next week or next week or, you know, the next day. It's always going to be the same. So, do not err concerning the character of God. God is holy and always will be. All right, the next point I'd like to consider a little bit is do not err concerning the word of truth, verse 18 and verse 21. uh, Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth. And verse 21 talks about laying apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. Do not err concerning the word of truth. Uh, when you think about the word of truth, uh, able to save your souls, Romans 10:17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Uh, the word of truth. Peter makes this comment in Peter, 1 Peter 1.23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Again, highlighting the word. And then Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Various scriptures that speak about the word. Jesus said this, Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. He's talking to his disciples there in John 15.3. Ephesians 5.25-27 Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So do not err concerning the word. <clears throat> the word of God is a living word. And uh, it, uh, as we have a healthy diet of the word, it should change us. It should I think we talked about that a little bit today uh, as far as obedience and uh, the, obeying the word. It should change us. It, uh, if, uh, and we'll, we'll look at that mirror thing just a bit later. But uh, just thinking about uh, do not err uh, concerning the word of truth. Um, It should have an effect on our lives as we read it, as we as we study it. It is the word of God. It is it is um, it is in, it is just like uh, it's, it says in Ephesians. It is intended to wash us like water. It is intended to to wash our hearts and our souls and and to have a, uh, a powerful effect on our lives. So do not err concerning. Uh, the word of truth. And then, he, right on the heels of that, we have uh, the idea of, uh, of not error, do not err concerning obeying the word or doing the word, as he says it here in verse 22. He says, be ye 
doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. So that comes right on the heels of, of uh, you know, recognizing that the word of God is powerful. The word of God has a cleansing effect. The word of God is intended to cleanse us. The word of God is intended to to change our lives, to change our perspectives, to to uh, give us uh, correct thinking about things, uh, basing our beliefs and our understanding on the word of God. But uh, just he, he warns us about just being a hearer but not a doer. Uh, and that's very possible. That's very, very easy to do. You know, we can take, we can take a, a lot of pleasure in the fact that we've heard the Word of God, we've listened to the Word of God, we've read the Word of God, and that is good, but we don't want to stop there. And he warns us about erring, uh, that we don't err in that. In verse 22, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own selves. <clears throat> so if we're, if we're taking great delight in having heard the word only, and, but we haven't done anything to look at it and to say, okay, how should that affect my life today or tomorrow or the next day or next week? If we haven't done that, then he says we're actually deceiving our hearts. We're deceiving ourselves and we're, we're coming up short. We're erring. Um, so as we understand, as we read, as we understand the word, then we seek to bring our heart, our mind and our will into obedience with what we've read, what we've understood, what we've uh, been uh, receiving from the scriptures. That may not always be easy. In fact, it uh, it isn't always easy, but... Uh, Like verse 25 says, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deeds. There's a blessing. It may not be easy to always allow the word of God to, you'd say, cut across our grain, to speak into our lives, to to kind of set us straight, if we can say it that way. Uh, it should it should set us straight, not, you know. It should uh, correct our thinking about this or that or the other thing that's the current issue in our lives. Um, and that if we're allowed to do that, just like this scripture says, we we're, we'll be we'll be blessed. And uh, also have Matthew seven twenty one here. Uh, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. And Jesus also in Luke six forty seven says this, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Also John, First John, First John, John two. Verse 3 through 5, And hereby we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word in him, verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby we know that we are in him. And here in this scripture he says, uh, But whoso keepeth his word in him, verily, truly, 
is the love of God perfected. So, uh, again, the idea of, of uh, growth uh, in our lives or, as he says it here, the love of God is perfected. As we, <clears throat> as we uh, read the word, we listen to the word, we seek to see how that speaks into our lives in our current events, our day-to-day situations, and we seek to walk in it. Uh, in that context, we grow. In that context, the love of God is perfected in us. In that context, we become, uh, we become holy, godly. Um, we grow in grace. We uh, become, our lives become more pleasing to the Lord, may we say. Um, and that's, uh, that's, uh, that's the heart of God, that we would, as we, as we, as the word speaks to us, as, as, as we read it and hear it, and it speaks to us, that we wouldn't just walk away and forget what we heard, but that we would actually let it take a deep, uh, we would actually bring our hearts to walk in what we understand. Bring our, bring our hearts and our lives to obedience. <clears throat> you know how it is? Uh, have you, you think about it, a little child sometimes, they, the parent wants them to do something, but they don't want to. Their heart does not in, agree with their parent. You know, we probably find ourselves there a little bit sometimes, don't we, in our walk with God. Sometimes we might read something in the Word of God and we're, we're tempted to be like that little child who doesn't just really want to. And God has to work on us to change our hearts like we work on our children to where we can cheerfully engage our hearts and to move on in obedience. <clears throat> can be a reality. So do not err concerning doing the word, not being a hearer only, but a doer of the word. And again, as we think about doing the word, uh, it brings us back to what we talked about of the law, uh, that those two, on these two hang all the law and the prophets. You know, everything that Jesus instructs us can be fitted under one of those commandments. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Everything that Jesus commands and instructs us to do can be fitted under one of those. It is, uh, it comes in, it, it calls us to one of those, uh, to, to obeying one of those commandments. And that is life. That is, uh, And that's what it means to uh, to obey. Uh, the I just want to make it before I move on. I want to make a comment about um, <clears throat> in uh, somewhere here talks about the law of liberty. Yes, here in twenty five. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, now. In some people's mind, those two terms would be contradictory. Law and liberty. They would feel like the two can't go together. But reality is, in this, and this is the kingdom that 
is the upside down kingdom, right? These two actually go beautifully. A, uh, his word brings us, as we walk in it, it brings us liberty. It brings us freedom. It brings us uh, into a life of fullness. And that is the intent uh, of the word of God. Uh, trying to remember that quote that those uh, Jesus said, um, he that hath, whom the son sets free is free indeed. Uh, the, the, the walking with the Lord and walking in obedience is not bondage. It's liberty. It's freedom in the heart and in the life. Uh, it's, uh, the law of liberty, the, the, uh, and that's the intent that, uh, that, uh, the Lord gives us those various instructions are not to bring us into any kind of bondage, but to bring us into a life of freedom in Him. A life of, uh, alright. So, do not err concerning doing the word, and then, the next point we like to consider a bit is do not err concerning sin. In verse 21, he says, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word, uh, which they will save your souls. Lay apart all sin. There's various scriptures that speak to that. Hebrews talks about in verse uh, chapter 12, verse 1, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Same idea, laying, uh, laying aside, um, lay apart all filthiness. <clears throat> Ezekiel. Chapter 18, verse 30 and 31. Therefore, I will judge you, O house of Israel, every one of you according to his ways, saith the Lord God. Repent and turn yourselves from all your transgressions, so iniquity shall not be your ruin. Cast away from you all your transgressions, whereby ye have transgressed, and make you a new heart and a new spirit. For why will ye die, O house of Israel? Do not err concerning sin. Uh, God calls us to lay apart, to lay aside, to cast away, to throw out sin in our lives. Ephesians uh, 4, 22 and 23, that ye put off, there it's put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Uh, speaking of growth and continuing to uh, put off sin. Colossians 3, 5, actually a number of verses here in Colossians 3. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked sometime 
when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. The, uh, the, those verses speak of a, they speak of an active, uh, engagement, I guess you would say. You're, you engage in, uh, in, in active, uh, actively dealing with sin in your life, putting off, uh, mortifying, uh, now put off all these anger, you know, putting them away, uh, when they show up, be assured that it's not okay and reckon with it before God and and uh, repent of it and find deliverance and find cleansing and find uh, freedom. Uh, so do not err concerning sin. Peter says it this way in 1 Peter 2.1 Wherefore laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envyings and evil speakings as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. Again the same idea. Lay aside uh, all malice, all guile, all hypocrisies. It's a very necessary uh, part of our experience, isn't it? You know from time to time. As you go through life, you probably discover that there's things that uh, surface in your own heart and life that are not pleasing to God. And uh, he calls us to not err concerning sin, not make excuse for sin in our lives, uh, not think it's okay, not uh, be careless about it, but to engage actively in dealing with it, put it off. Repent of it. Seek the power to overcome. Seek the power to uh, respond differently the next time. Uh, and so forth. <clears throat> so, do not err. Just going back over and looking at these. Do not err concerning the character of God. God is holy. Always will be. Uh, he is... He does not, uh, he's not tempted with evil and by evil, and he does not tempt any man. Do not err concerning the character of God. Do not err concerning the word of truth. Uh, the word of God is quick and powerful. It is the living word. It is the engrafted word. It is, it is able to save your souls if you heed it. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Um, and then do not err concerning doing the word. Hearing is not uh, sufficient. Be doers of the word, not hearers only. And do not err concerning sin. But be active and aggressive in, in uh, reckoning with it. So, a few words from our brother James. Do not err. My beloved brethren, <clears throat> let's just bow our heads and pray. Father, again, thank you for your word. Thank you for the clarity in which it speaks to our lives and the practical way in which it instructs us. Thank you.
Thank you for each one present here today. Pray that uh, a blessing could have been found for each one. Each person could have received something beneficial to their souls. And Lord, again, ask a blessing on those who may have been listening in. Thank you for your care and love for all of us. And we pray that uh, we would con- could continue to, uh, to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Again, thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.